All right, kids. I want you to imagine that in this room, it's pouring rain and you're getting soaked to the bone. Every piece of clothing you're, is getting wet. And I, your friend, have an umbrella. I'm the only one with an umbrella. You're getting... I'm the only one with an umbrella who doesn't know how to open it. I'm the only one with an umbrella. And I am nice and dry while you guys are getting soaked. But I'm a good friend. So I'm going to invite you guys to come and stand underneath my umbrella to stay warm, stay dry. Do you guys want to stay dry? You're getting soaked. You're soaked right now. And I'm just very warm and dry. Oh, you're just illustrating this too well for me right now. <laughs> you know what? In today's passage, Jesus says that if we want to be protected from harm, that we have to get close to him, that he is like a mother hen who brings her little chicks underneath her wing and that he invites us to come close. It's kind of like if I'm here with an umbrella and it's pouring rain and I say, come, come and be dry. And you're all like, no, I'm good. I'd rather be wet. I'm like, okay, I can't make you come over. But Jesus says he wants to protect us. And he wants to cover us under his wing. And we keep trying to get away from his protection. But that's the invitation that Jesus always gives, that he is like the mother hen who wants to bring us underneath his wing to protect us from harm. And that means we ha if we want that protection, we have to be willing to come close to him, just like you'd have to be willing to come close to me if you want to come in from under the rain. Now, in this life, Jesus says, there will always be bad things to happen to us, difficult things, and mostly, most of all, what Jesus wants to protect us from is from our own sin and from death, which is the result of sin. And so I hope for not just you guys, all you little ones in this room and medium-sized ones and big ones, but for young and old that we all desire to be under the wing of Jesus' protection. Now, Jesus is not here physically, is he? But God is everywhere. And so drawing close to Jesus, coming underneath his wing, coming underneath his umbrella of protection means talking to him, reading the Bible to learn more about him, singing songs of worship to him so that our hearts draw close to his spirit, so that we know him and we know all that he offers us. So my encouragement to you this Lent and this Easter season to draw close to Jesus, to talk to him, to come under the protection of his umbrella. Okay? Thanks for joining me. Go, go and sit with your parents. Gives you a little bit of an idea of where we're going today in our passage. But I want to talk about something else for a moment. When I first moved to the States... Um, I went to University of Maryland for college, and one of the great things about living in kind of the, the Washington, D.C. area is you get great museums in the Smithsonian Museums. 
Now, the flip side of that is that you get spoilt into thinking great museums are free. <laughs> and as a, at that time, foreign student coming to the States, oh, all museums in the States are free is my was my thinking, and so I was shocked when I went to New York for the first time and tried to go to the Museum of Modern Art to find that I had to pay to go into this museum. It's like, what? I thought only second-rate museums charge you money, not first-class museums. Those felt like the good old days of Washington, D.C., when it still kind of had a decent name, and today, Washington, D.C. just seems equivalent to... (laughs) The swamp, right? You know, the, the name of Washington, D.C. gets mud slung at it day in and day out. It represents the division in our country. It represents all that is wrong. It's where President Trump makes bad decisions. It's where uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats just blockade anything that the Republicans want to do. It's where the government gets shut down and, and, and the, the regular people suffer as a result. It's where... Congress can't get along and reach across the aisle to work together. It's where politicians are in the pockets of lobbyists and nothing gets done except for what the lobbyist wants. And so just all these different accusations and mud get slung at the name of Washington, D.C. And again, it's easy to do that. But at the same time, Washington, D.C. represents our country represents what is going on in our country overall at the same time. Now, Jerusalem was the same thing for Israel. Jerusalem represented what Israel was at the time. It was the place where God's temple was. It was the place where God's presence was promised to be. And so, in this passage, when it talks about uh, this lament of Christ about Jerusalem. He's not just talking about Jerusalem specifically. He's talking about how Jerusalem represents the nation of Israel and what was going on in the nation of Israel. And it wasn't just a nation in the sense of we understand it today. It was a nation called and created by God, called to be a light to all the nations. So it represented not only a nation, but a nation's relationship with God and its faithfulness to God. And so, when we put down Washington, D.C., we need to remember that Washington, D.C. is still a reflection of our country overall, and we are a part of that country. And in the same way, it it should give us pause for reflection when we think about Washington, D.C., Christ's lament over Israel should give all of Israel pause for reflection about what God was calling them to through the prophets and through Christ. I believe the season of Lent is, I mean, this could be true for any time of the year, but the season of Lent is a particularly a time for us to intentionally walk with Jesus to the cross and to evaluate our relationship with him as we do so, to see how we may have turned from walking with him, trusting in him, and turned from his offer of mothering protection that he talks about in this passage. In this passage today, Jesus is speaking these prophetic words about what he's about to do. And and it represented this increasing tension that was going on between the Pharisees and Jesus, the Messiah. This tension between the message of the gospel that Jesus was bringing and the message that the Jewish leaders had been giving over and over again about this performance-oriented religious practice of Israel. I hope for us that 
that we, we, as we hear this passage, that we will evaluate our hearts before the Lord and see how these words may apply to us as well. But that's, I'm just going to read the, the first few verses again um, as we kind of work through the passage. Verse 31, At the very hour some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet shall perish away from Jerusalem. We see in this section that Jesus' face, already in Luke 13, his face is set for the cross, and he is without fear of any worldly threats that may be um, thrown at him. The Pharisees in this passage are supposedly bringing a friendly warning from Herod to Jesus, but really the Pharisees are in cahoots with Herod. And it's a bit ironic because generally speaking, the Pharisees and Herod are at, are at odds. Herod is, is a representative of Rome and the Pharisees are, the Jewish nation is, is being oppressed by Rome. And so it's not a good relationship in general, but they generally are hostile towards each other and yet at this time they are allied, joint forces in their opposition to Jesus. In this place in, the, in Luke, both Herod and the Pharisees want Jesus to go into Judea and to Jerusalem for different reasons. Herod wants Jesus out of his region, out of Galilee, out of his domain. He doesn't want to deal with the trouble that Jesus is bringing. On the other hand, the Pharisees want Jesus to go into Judea, into Jerusalem, into their domain of influence where they have more power and influence. Now, Jesus, hearing these words, this friendly warning from the Pharisees, he calls Herod a fox because in ancient times, the term fox was often used as a term for destructiveness, and Herod was well known for his destructiveness. Yet, at the same time, we may hear and hear Jesus referencing Herod's craftiness here in bringing, again, this friendly warning to Jesus when we all know it's not really very friendly at all. And so Jesus calls him a fox and he sends a message back to Herod through the Pharisees that, hey, he's not here to stir up trouble. He's here to heal people. He's here to bring hope to people that, and, and that he's on God's timetable. He's not on Herod's timetable. He's not worried about the threats of either the Pharisees or Herod. And specifically, he even references on the third day, I will reach my goal, he says. And in these words, he's describing that he's journeying to the cross. He's journeying to his own death for the sake of restoration for the world. Again, Jesus' face is already set to the cross in Luke 13, and he's without fear of worldly threats. He knows very well that his life is in God's hands. His life is going according to God's timetable, not any man's timetable, not anyone who wants to threaten him, that God has appointed a time and a place for his death and his resurrection, for the salvation of the world to happen. And so he's put himself in the hands of God's plan, in the plan that him and the Heavenly Father had come up together with from the beginning of time, and that he was going to continue journeying, proclaiming the gospel, healing in the power of the gospel so that people might come to know more about his message. When we think about our own lives in this world, when we face threats and dangers in our lives, it, it can be so easy for us 
to find opportunity to distrust God, to think that God, God's plan is not working out for us, that he's not in control, that he's out for us. And it's, it's understandable because there is so much suffering in this life. And though God promises that all things will work out for the good of those who love him, it's, it's easy for us to doubt that and to turn to our own ways And yet God's promise for us is to walk with us, is to love us, is to one day deliver us completely from the suffering that we experience from this world. And that always holds true. And so this Lent season, as we look at this passage, I think it is a call for us to ask ourselves the question, how has the threats and dangers of this life led us to distrust God's um, hand in our life, his love in our life, and how we may have turned to our own ways rather than trusting in his, his way and to turn again to deeper faith in him. But Jesus goes on in this passage, verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I love the passion that Jim brought to reading that passage earlier. But we see here, Jesus is saying, his offer of a mothering protection is always there, even though Israel and we may turn from that offer time and time again. Clearly in this section, Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. Again, Jerusalem as representative of the nation of Israel. Lamenting of how Jerusalem and Israel has turned away from God again and again. Turned away from the warnings that the prophets had given to turn back to God and live according to God's ways. And it's a warning to return to God's love. To return to God's faithfulness to them. And to be faithful to him in return. Israel... We see in scripture and in history had turned away from God time and time again. Despite God's delivering hand, they quickly forget and turn away from God, harden their hearts to God, ignore the the warnings of the prophets, living out a veneer of a religious life and yet missing the heart of God, missing what it really means to be changed by God to live for God, to represent God, to care about the things that God cares about. And heartbreakingly, Jesus is saying, Jerusalem is not the holy city, but is in fact the city that kills prophets, kills the messengers of God. On the other hand, there's this beautiful imagery that Jesus introduces here, this imagery of God as a mothering hen who wants to protect her little chicks. And it's unique in the New Testament here in Luke 13 and also in its counterpart in Matthew 23 where we see this event recorded. And so again, sometimes we're maybe not comfortable with his imagery, but it says basically God is our heavenly father who is a mothering hen who longs to protect us. Jesus is saying he yearns to be the place where his children can come underneath his wing safe from a hawk who's scanning the ground for a vulnerable little chick to swoop down and eat that chick for dinner, that Jesus yearns to be the place where his children come underneath his wing to protect 
protect them from a storm that's coming that may hurt his children. God longs to be the place of protection and safety from harm. God longs to deliver us from our sin that leaves us vulnerable and exposed to both the consequences of sin and the judgment towards sin. He wants to be our place of refuge. He wants to be the place where we come up and snuggle up close to him intimately under his wing, wrapped under this mothering protection that he provides. When we lived in Hong Kong, we lived in uh, a complex that had three rows of townhomes, and they were all three, three stories high. We lived in the back row, and then there were two rows of townhomes, and they faced each other. And in the middle of uh, these, town, these two rows of townhomes, there was kind of like an alleyway. And the alleyway was wide enough for a car to, to drive through, and sometimes we would, if you're unloading furniture or something, you would drive there, but generally it was just open to be used for other things. It wasn't really for traffic in general. And so it was a great place to live for our kids because Hong Kong's a very crowded place, and, and so there was actually some space in our complex for the kids to go play, to go ride their bikes, to kick the ball around, to throw the ball around, to just play with their brothers and, and their neighborhood friends. Um, there was this one occasion, our kids had this Nerf um, arrow, bow and arrow, and so it, it can be fired really long distances. So they went into the alleyway, because uh, it, it was quite a long alleyway, and, and they, they would fire this bow and arrow and see how far it could go, because there was no yards in these townhomes at all. And, um, but there was this one neighbor lady that she, so all these, um, all these townhomes had a walled-in patio. And so this one, this one neighbor lady, she had lots of plants on the wall and on her patio, Obviously, it was a green thumb and loved to grow things. And so our kids were firing this Nerf arrow back and forth down the alleyway, and one time it went into her Walden patio. And she was a little bit mean to them, like confiscated it and said they weren't, she wasn't going to give it back. And so I had to go and kind of intervene and say, oh, sorry, you know, you know, it won't happen again, and we got it back. And so that was kind of our introduction to uh, Neighbor Lady. Now, I was the one Sunday I was at church in the afternoon, and Amber and the kids were home. And, um, and the kids went out to bike and scoot in this alleyway. And um, so I, I'm at work at, at church, and Amber's at home with the kids. But she's in the home, and the kids are playing in the alleyway. And then the kids come back home, at, at least one of them in tears. And apparently this neighbor lady, so this is Sunday afternoon, this neighbor lady said, you can't play there. You're, you're not allowed to bike here. It's not allowed. You're too noisy. And just kind of scolds them to the point of at least one of them being in tears. And so Amber is mad. Like, you don't talk to my kids like that. And so she, you know, Mama Bear is stirred up in her, right? And so she storms out to go confront neighbor lady. And Amber doesn't speak any Chinese other than the cuss words that I taught her. <laughs> which I don't think she used. Um, and this neighbor lady spoke, you know, very little English. And so Amber's like confronting this neighbor lady 
and you know they're not really getting anywhere. It's getting heated, but you know there's just not enough common language to be able to get through to each other. And the grown son pops his head out the second floor window. Uh, it looked like seemingly waking up from a nap and just trying to mediate between his mom, you know, and 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 Amber. And somehow they work things out. He he kind of made peace and and things moved on from there. So when I came home from church, just to hear this story relayed to me, I was really mostly amused um, that this mama bear instinct had stirred up in Amber and she had, I mean, it's very unlike Amber to go and like confront people that way and and we, Amber and I joked from then on that every time we walked by, because we had to, actually every day had to walk by this neighbor's house, we always joked, we just knock over all her plants and run away. <laughs> and uh, it's just funny, again, that, that mama bear, papa bear instinct that rises up in you, that stuff you would never imagine even doing, suddenly you're like, yeah, let's go do that and destroy all her plants. You know, when we think of this imagery of a mothering hen. We do think of it often as like a nurturing thing. And it is, a, it is a nurturing imagery. But it is also an imagery of protection. It is an imagery of the mama bear instinct rising up in the parent to protect the vulnerable children. The children who don't have a voice for themselves. The children who can't protect themselves. And so when Jesus says he longs to be that mothering hen to protect his children, his vulnerable children under his wing, he's saying, yes, this is a nurturing place for you, but it's also a place of protection, a place of strength, that God is tender to us, yes, but also he is, he is our refuge, he is our, our protection, he is our safety. And so God pursues us and invites us to come under the protection of his wing. And yet at the same time, he waits on us to come. Because he cannot make us go, as was well illustrated by my umbrella effort earlier. Can't make the children come. The children must respond to the invitation to come. Jesus' words of warning to Jerusalem in this passage are words of warning to all of us, whether Christian or non-Christian. And it's easy for us as Christians to look at this passage and be like, you know, I'm good, I'm, I, I believe in God, I trust God. But the warning is not just, do you in, it's not about do you intellectually assent to believe in Jesus, it's will you come close to Jesus? Will you see your need for Jesus, will you see your need for protection from your, even your own sin, not just the sin of this world, not just the brokenness of this world, but from your own sin to be delivered from your own brokenness, to be delivered from the consequence of your brokenness, death, spiritual death, to come under the wing of Jesus, that his wing is his righteousness that covers over us so that there is no more condemnation That there can be no punishment for the things we've done wrong because we are covered by the wing of his righteousness out of his tenderness and out of his strength. And he tells us here, and he ends by saying, it's never too late. It's never too late to turn to Jesus. Though Israel had turned away from God again and again, had ignored his prophets again and again, had killed his prophets again and again, and Jesus knew the path He was walking where he, the prophet, was going to be killed by Israel as well. 
that it's never too late to return. Jesus quotes Psalm 118.26 here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in this psalm it describes the priest's blessing of the worshiping, worshiping community as they come to the temple of God. Led by the kingly priest. The king who is also priest. And he's saying it's never too late to follow the lead of the kingly priest into the presence of God. Into the temple of God. That though you may have turned away over and over again, that it's never too late to join in the parade into the presence of God led by Jesus himself. It's never too late. Think of people that you care about and love who don't know God. Think about yourself in the ways that you may have, yes, believed in God and yet on the heart level not trusted in his protection and his love in his righteousness, in his sacrifice. It's never too late to follow Jesus into the presence of God. It's never too late to come under his wing in close proximity to him, in great dependence on him, in great trust in him. It's never too late to put your hope in the resurrection power of Christ, to know that life indeed comes through him. We started by saying Lent is the season to evaluate our relationship with God and to see how we may have turned from him and turned from his offer to be the mothering protection over our life. So I say let's lament. Appropriately lament this Lent season. Lament on how we have not trusted God. How we have turned away from his offer. And yet not to just stay in that place of lament but then to run to our God's side where we know his offer for protection and safety and love and intimacy is always there. Jesus is our mama bear. He longs to have us near. He longs to protect. He fiercely protects us from the guilt and power of sin. He faithfully delivers us from the condemnation of sin and our vulnerability to the hopelessness of death. He is the one who lovingly restores us to closeness with God. So I encourage you this season, hide under the shelter of his wing. Let's pray.